Thanks for tuning in to the New Cove Podcast. Subscribe to get a new sermon right to your device each week. For more information or to reach out to someone, go to newcove.com. Now enjoy this sermon. This morning we're going to continue our series in uh, building a healthy church through the book of Titus. So if you want to turn there, book of Titus, I, I like to think of it as the T section. We got 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, and then Titus. Now, as uh, we've been talking about, the, uh, Paul is encouraging and uh, he's instructing and encouraging a young pastor, Titus, who is pastoring this church on the island of Crete. Now, they, as we've already have heard and learned about, the island of Crete was known for their polarizing view of Christianity. On one hand, you have what we call the Judaizers, who are very legalistic. They believe that you accept Christ, but then you continue to follow all their traditions and customs of the Jewish faith. Obey all 613 laws, get circumcised, etc., etc. And that's on one hand over here. On the other end, we have this group that I will refer to as cheap grace. That, hey, we're saved by grace and it doesn't matter how I live. Thank God for his grace. Sound familiar? When I look at those two views, I have to say, which one do I see more of today? Thank you, God, for your grace that I can do anything. I can look just like the world and know I'm going to heaven, right? Well, I think God has more to, for us than that. And I, if anything you hear this morning, I believe we are saved by grace, not on the basis of what we do. It's not based on what we know, but it's on the basis of who we know. Amen? Amen. So we could all ask ourselves where we're at on this scale, but I believe that uh, as we do that, we're going to have an opportunity to respond this morning and allow God to to touch our lives, and that's going to be very, very much a significant part of what we do. Uh, Our pastor, I love our pastor, one thing he shared with the staff here uh, recently that stood out to me, especially for this morning, he said, you know, when it comes to ministry, I don't want us to be a church that just checks off the boxes, Right? Not just one that just, okay, we did this. Matter of fact, I think it's what we've seen happen with our, uh, these Thanksgiving boxes have expanded because, you know, we were going to give 100 of them to Marjorie Mason Center. We could have gone and dropped them off, checked off that box, and be done and gone. But as he said that, it's interesting how that, the vision for that expanded. Who else is in need? Not just we can check off a box. So this morning, I hope that you're here not just to check off a box, you know, came to church, greeted some people, sang some songs, heard a message, let's go get lunch, watch a game. My, my Sunday is done, right? It's, I've been fulfilled. I hope this morning for each and every one of us that we experience more than just checking off the boxes. By the way, that's what religion is all about, right? We do the same thing over and over and over because we're supposed to. My prayer this morning, and has been all this last week, is that we experience more of God and what he wants to speak into our lives, do things in our lives that is more than what anything I can say up here. It's about a move of his Holy Spirit in our lives. It's something miraculous, okay, the supernatural. So in, in Titus, the first message that Pastor Scott shared, he did a great job talking about a healthy church and addressing the question of how do we live out our faith and devotion in a sinful culture? The next week, which was last week, his message was titled, Walk the Talk. He talked about the importance of sound doctrine in building a healthy church. This morning, we're going to pick it up in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15, 
with our message titled, A Healthy Church is Faithful to Grace. So let's look at chapter two. I'm gonna read the first verse. I'm gonna skip down to verse 11 through 15, which we should see up on the screen here. But in the first verse, it says, as for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. And then he goes on and he talks about older men, you should do these things. Teach the older men this. Teach the older women this, who are in turn to teach the younger women. I think it's interesting that, he, you know what he said to the young men? He said, encourage them. <laughs> I'm not sure they're teachable. I don't know if that's what that means or not, but he says, encourage them. <laughs> Bunch of boneheads. So and then he goes on to the, he says, and slaves, you're to do X, Y, Z. He says, so do all these things. And then we pick it up in verse 11. Why? For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. And he goes on to tell Titus, you must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. Now listen, I think it's significant. He says, you must teach them these things and encourage them. Why? Because it's not a given it's not something we just instinctively know or are going to do. We need to be taught and encouraged to do these things. You have the authority. He even goes even farther. You have the authority to correct them when necessary. So don't let anyone disregard what you say. Father, this morning, you know my heart. My heart, Lord, is, it's got its own stuff. I have my own sin, I have my own fears, my own insecurities, and my prayer has been in preparing for this message that as, you, as I read and study your word, that you would reveal your word to me so that you would speak your word through me, that your word would live in me and in all those who hear. Because that as each and every one of us here, we need to be taught. And Lord, I put myself in the same category. I love getting to deliver your word because I feel like the I feel like the mailman. I get to deliver your gifts. I'm like the chef preparing the meal, and I get to partake in it, and I need to hear it. And I pray for each and every one of us that we do need to be taught. We need to be encouraged. And so I pray the words of Paul as he prayed for those in Ephesus in chapter 1, verse 17. He said, I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ would give to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are. In Jesus' name, if you agree with me, would you say Amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> that whole passage there, how many of you remember, name that tune? Name that tune, right? Well, this whole chapter, these whole 15 verses, I can name that tap chapter in two verses. You ready? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Present yourselves a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service of worship. One translation says, after all he has done for us, is that too much to ask? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your holy uh, spiritual service of worship. And what second verse say? Romans chapter 12 says, says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One translation in the Living Bible says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let's look at verse 11. And the first thing that starts off here is with this one word that has significance. 
The word is four. Say four with me. Okay, come on. There's enough golfers in here. Say it like you say it out on the, in the course. Four. <laughs> now, that word doesn't have too much off. The meaning's not too far off. It's this word for also be, can be translated because of the previous. Heads up, watch out, pay attention. Because of everything that just got through said, how can you do that? How can you live like this? If you read those verses, you remember last week, how can I live like that? I can't do that in my own strength. Bingo. For the grace of God has been revealed to us. The grace of God. The proper response, here's a little something for your note takers. It's not in your, in your fill-ins this morning. The proper response to God's grace is right conduct. The proper response to God's grace is right conduct. conduct. For the grace of God has been revealed, and I believe that God wants to reveal his grace to us this morning in a new way. Grace, interesting enough in my studies, probably not a big surprise, 95% of the time when the Bible talks about grace, guess where it's found? Old Testament or New Testament? New Testament, right? New Testament, another word for new covenant, by the way. Covenant testament, or, or they mean the same thing. So what's the difference? We perhaps have heard the difference. We're going to hear more about mercy next week. But what's the difference between grace and mercy? Grace is receiving something we don't deserve, where mercy is receiving something, it's not receiving something we do deserve right? So this morning, we're going to talk about grace, and uh, it's a two-sided coin. So this morning, I brought in something here. We'll see if we can pull this off. There we go. I knew it was going to be a good morning when that happened, that I didn't bat it out in the front row. (laughs) This morning, I brought in a little illustration for us. Grace is a two-sided coin. And so I went out and picked up this 1892 silver dollar. I think we have a picture of it up here so you could see it. And I brought it for a reason. Grace is like a two-sided coin. There's two distinct sides to this coin. And if you're, you fill in your notes, the first fill in there, the first side is God's unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. And the second side is God's empowering presence. His empowering presence. There are two distinct sides to this coin, but it is made up of one material. If I were to take this coin and melt it down, it would be just one thing. It'd be a chunk of silver. But it has two distinct sides. Where does one end and the other begin? You tell me. But I can look at both sides and say there's something different here. By the way, this this coin here is worth more than most of us realize. Grace is worth more than most of us realize just like this coin is. I went out and got this silver dollar. Does a silver dollar cost a dollar? Nope, cost me 40 bucks. <laughs> By the way, yeah, I, I won't go there. But anyway, I gotta tell you, I love Westerns. I'm just gonna tell you this. I don't drink, I just so you know. I'm allergic to alcohol. Whenever I drink it, I crave more or, or I break out in handcuffs. So I just don't do it. But, <clears throat> but when I got this, I thought, I love Westerns. I'm like, whiskey. I need God's grace. Be praying for me. I'll be the one of the people responding this morning. But you know what? This thing has more value than most of us realize. And if I left it out here and we all left, guess what? If a thief came in here, you think they're going to steal my Bible? Not a chance. They're going to look for this. They're going to take this. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
The thief wants to steal God's grace from our lives. He doesn't want us to experience it in any way, either side, his unmerited favor or his empowering presence. And this morning, my goal is to share a few things with you to lead us into God's presence and allow him to speak to us this morning and to reveal his grace to you in a way that perhaps you never have experienced before. And Ron Killian doesn't have the words smart enough to do that. But I can share some things and step out of the way and leave room and help us to make room for God to move in our lives. Are you open to that this morning? Amen. Well, this has two distinct sides. Um, We've talked about that. But two ways it manifests itself. It's kind of similar to the Trinity in the sense that we can't fully grasp it. The three in one, right? It's uh, three distinct manifestations of God, and yet it's the same thing. So grace is in the same same aspect. So one side of the coin is unmerited favor. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Let's read this. Follow along with me. It should be on the screen. For God, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. God's unmerited favor. If you're here this morning, and if someone has shared the gospel with you, I remember a gentleman I got to share the gospel with, and I said, asked him what he thought about it when I was done. He said, it sounds too easy. Well, maybe for, for us, but it wasn't for God. God's unmerited favor is, is something we don't deserve. It's a gift from God. And even if you pay a dollar for something, is it a gift? No. It's something you cannot earn or pay for. The other side of the coin, God's empowering presence, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do, this is the key word, do, the good things he has planned for us long ago. We need God's empowering presence to do the things that he's called us to do. I need, I need God's empowering presence to step up here and share the things that he's put on my heart. And I depend upon that. What are things in your life God's calling you to do? And you say, I can't do that. I can't do it. Well, not in your own strength. Don't do it in your own strength. Pray and ask for God's empowering presence. That where you go, how many times have you done something? You go, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe God spoke that through me. His empowering presence is real. Another example of God's unmerited favor, why don't we say it out loud together? John, it won't be on the screen. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever so believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting. That is God's unmerited favor. Another example of God's empowering presence would be on the screen, Philippians 4:13. We just studied this a couple Wednesdays ago in our life groups. For I can do everything through Christ who, what? Gives me his empowering presence, his strength. And yes, we talked about this in our Wednesday night study. This is just talking about even just the, um, <clears throat> just having the ability to, to have, be content through struggles. And that takes a lot of grace, doesn't it? To be content. Whatever it is he's called us to do, we want to live by his empowering presence. Matter of fact, someone said this. I don't know who the quote came from, but I'm just going to share it. They said, it's impossible to live the life of Christ apart from the life of Christ in our lives. So if you're trying to live the life of Christ apart from Christ, stop it. Stop it. Turn to the one who will give you his empowering presence. So verse 12 goes on to tell us how to live in this evil world. 
and something that would be impossible without the empowering presence of God's grace in our lives. So let's look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we, in verse 13, while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the God of our great, the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. <clears throat> We're to live with what? This is your next fill-in. Wisdom, righteousness, and devotion. Live with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. We're to make our decisions on how we live our lives based upon what? Wisdom, righteousness, and devotion. Notice it doesn't say anything about feelings. Real quick, there's another scripture that God gave me this concept, and I've preached this and proclaimed it for years, and I thought I was so blessed because this one here really exemplifies the point that I want to make, and I feel like the Lord wanted to make with me. We're to live by what? Wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. You know who's the best example of that? Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's in the garden. He knows what's going to happen to him. He knows that he's going to be beaten to a pulp and crucified on the cross. He is so stressed, he's experiencing, and i got to make sure I pronounce this somewhat right, hematidrosis. Hematidrosis. It's when somebody, like people on death row, they experience so much stress, they start bleeding from the ears, their eyes, their nose, and even, yes, from bursting capillaries in the forehead, which the Bible refers to as Jesus was doing what? Sweating drops of blood. There's nothing romantic about that scene. He's stressing. He knows what's going to happen to him. And I just want to ask you this morning, aren't you so glad that Jesus didn't do the thing that we so often do in making decisions to try and determine what God's will for our life is? Aren't you so glad he didn't say, you know, I just don't have a peace about this whole cross thing. It must not be God's will because I just don't have a peace about it. How many times have you said no to something because I just don't have a peace about it? Okay, not you. You had a friend. You've known somebody who did that. I'll tell you what, when God gave me that revelation, someone was praying, wanted a decision in their life they had to make, and I was ready to pray for God. Give her a peace about this decision. Now, don't get me wrong. If God gives us a peace about something, it's icy on the cake as far as I'm concerned. Icy on the cake. But Jesus did not determine God's will by what he had a peace about. Rather, he said, now, he did negotiate. He tried to negotiate, didn't he? Father, if there be any other way, but not my will be done, your will be done. We're to live our lives not based upon a feeling. Do I have a peace about it? If I waited for a peace before I stepped up here to share God's word with all my fears and insecurities, I wouldn't be up here for quite a while. But there was a rightness. There's a wisdom and a rightness in my devotion to God that I said, Lord, here I am. Send me and I'll do it. And honestly, the less I think about me and the more I think about him and his grace, the easier this is for me. Don't wait for the peace when God's calling you to do something. Pray and ask for a wisdom, a rightness, and out of your devotion to God, do the things that he's calling you to do. Because you know what? Many of us walk around with this uh, condition called PMS. Um, <clears throat> it's not what you think. It's not what you think. And it's not based upon gender. It's not even based upon age. I don't care if you're 24 or you're 94. 
we, many of us suffer from PMS. It's called pre-maturity syndrome. <laughs> pre-maturity syndrome. We're walking around basing our lives on our feelings. Does this feel good? I'm going to do it. If it doesn't feel good, I don't want to do that. You know? Discipline? Ugh. <laughs> you know that thing, no pain, no gain? My philosophy is no pain, no pain. You know, I don't want to suffer, right? So, but I find that God says that's not a wise way to live, Ron. Wisdom, rightness, devotion to me is going to involve some pain. Making some decisions that aren't always so comfortable. Well, as I said, Jesus modeled this for us. And if we're going to live how Jesus lived, we're going to need what Jesus had. And that's God's grace in our lives. Lastly, in verse 14 says here, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing, here's that word again, doing good deeds. This is your last fill-in this morning. Jesus gave his life to free us, to cleanse us, to empower us. And this morning, I want to give us an opportunity. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back. I'm going to give us an opportunity to respond to one of those three areas in your life. Receiving God by responding, receiving his grace by responding to his invitation. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come in and have fellowship with you and you with me. I'm going to ask us to close our Bibles and open our hearts this morning to God's spirit, to his presence, to his grace, and give you the opportunity to respond. Romans 12:1 again says what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Again, set aside our Bibles, close those up. Let's open our hearts. There are some things, if you notice, God asks us to do physical responses to his spirit, to his work in our lives. When we get baptized, baptized is what? It's a physical expression of an inward change. When Jesus told the disciples, follow me, he didn't just say, believe in me. He said, follow me. This morning, I want us to give an opportunity to do just that. And you know what? It may require... God may be speaking to you, and I encourage you to put feet to your faith. To the degree, I would say even this morning, you want him to touch you? Do something. Maybe it's raising your hands. I surrender. Maybe it's, I present myself a living sacrifice, and this is the altar up here. Many churches, they have physical altars. This one here is, imagine this is an altar. I mean, you need to stand out, step out from where you are. The people, in, if you're in the middle, they'll understand. Just say, excuse me, excuse me, and move from where you're at. In a moment, there's going to be, our pastors are going to be up here to pray, and there'll be some prayer partners as well. Maybe you need to have someone pray with you this morning, and you come and do that and respond. As the Word talks about our worship, it's not just soul and spirit. It's body, soul, and spirit. Let our physical expressions express our hearts and our faith to the Lord this morning. And lastly, I want to say this at this point. It was St. Augustine that is quoted for, known for, uh, attributed for saying this. Singing 
is praying twice. Have you ever noticed that? We sing our prayers. I can't think of a better one this morning than this song right here. So let's allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us this morning.